yeah, I usually get up around five, five thirty, somewhere around there. Um, I'll jump on the computer, usually get on the vibration plate for, for about 15 minutes. Hey guys, welcome to Becoming Legendary, a podcast where we get to talk with rad people from all over the planet about the things that make them freaking legendary. This special episode is going to be a best of of 2018 conversations. So we're going to look back at some of the most insightful and impactful bits and pieces that we had on this podcast over the year of 2018. So without further ado, let's get to Becoming Legendary, the best of 2018. Starting out with Daniel Stickler, a performance medical doctor at the Perion Institute, talking to us about how amazing vibration plates are. How did you start using vibration plates? You know, a lot of people had talked to us about it, and my wife, um, my wife is military. She's she she and I own the Perion Corporation together, and she's she's the CEO, but she also has a second life of being a uh, human performance expert in the Air Force. Uh, she's in the, she's currently in the Air Force uh, Reserves right now. She teaches a lot at, uh, at SOCOM uh, Special Forces, and um, she was at an event, and they were talking about the a lot of the science behind the vibration plates. And, we, you know, we, we were into the, in thinking, you know, it sounds good and everything, but we didn't really have the science behind it. And I didn't actually look into it. Yeah. Um, but because those guys were doing it and they're, and you know, they're, they're into all these experimental things. And I was like, well, let's, let's take a look at the data. So they actually sent us over the data and we're like, okay, we've got to get a vibration plate. Uh, <laughs> you know, this, this has some, some good validity behind it. Now, I, I love that Dr. Stickler uses a vibration plate himself um, every day as part of his morning routine, but I think it's even more impressive that his wife is finding out about whole body vibration through her connections to the military and the fact that the military is utilizing this technology to help people perform better speaks an awful lot about the potential of whole body vibration. Next up, we're going to hear from Johnny Hollywood Case, professional prize fighter and UFC veteran, talking to us about one of his favorite recovery tools, floating. And we've had an awful lot of professional athletes come in and take advantage of the float tank. I think it's one of the least, one of the most underutilized um, services that's available at Vitality, And if you haven't floated yet, I would strongly recommend you get in the tank and see how quiet will absolutely change your life. How'd you get into floating? Yes. Yeah. So I, I remember, uh, hearing Joe Rogan, I don't know if you know, Joe Rogan is yeah, for sure. commentator for the UFC. He always talked about, uh, deprivation tanks and floating tanks and, um, how, how it, he uses it to de-stress, you know, to really, uh, sort out a lot of problems, very therapeutic. And uh, I decided, hey, I'm going to give it a try, you know. Um, and I think the first time I floated, I think it was like 
two hours, I want to say I did. But it seemed like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, it was so quick. <laughs> I just ha- I just remember whirlwind, just sorting all, all the, you know, just things I thought were issues, not necessarily issues, just things I had in my life. You know, I was three weeks out from a fight in the UFC. Um, and I just remember leaving there and just feeling so relaxed and so peaceful. And just, just remember thinking, like, wow, like, the problems that I was thinking about before I got here weren't even problems, you know. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just sorted everything out, and I was just so peaceful. And, uh, and yeah, I've been doing it ever since, man. From one professional athlete to another. Next up, we're going to hear from Rama, a world-famous yogi who can do some of the most incredible arm balances you will ever see. If you haven't checked out his Instagram yet, be ready to be amazed. Because of this accident, I essentially no longer had a choice. I found myself forced out of where I was going and redirected. Yeah, redirected down a completely new yogic path. And the the healing the healing component of of yoga for you specifically with the foot injury there was there was a lot of restorative yoga and there was there was also a lot of of seated meditation true correct yeah in seated practice it was primarily visualization techniques as well as just finding ways to uh, not necessarily control but understand and know how to work with the mind yeah the the impact that you felt, how, how quickly do you think you really, you understood, Hey, this is a new path and something that I'm really interested in following. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, things seem to have happened very, very quickly. And at the same time, over a long period of time. Yeah. So, I mean, the change, it was never necessarily something that I wanted to be honest. I mean, I, I did want it on some level, of course, but it was, uh, it was something that just kind of happened. I've always said that there's a guiding force not only in my life, but in the lives of, of every single person. And sometimes that guiding force, it's just a little bit of a whisper. Yeah. Mm. And then sometimes it shouts and it yells. And so for me, all of that kind of change was very, very, I resisted it almost nonstop. But thankfully, the, the yelling was very, very forceful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you can't avoid yelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we get to the point where where you start to see um, you start to see that this this yogic practice is having an impact in your personal life. Right. And from that point, the your your exposure to this tool sparks an inspiration in you to to share the teachings that that you've experienced or the experiences that you've experienced and you you head off to become a yoga teacher yeah what i really appreciate about this part of rama's story is his injury and, and how he approached it so too often i think it's easy to fall victim of the i have an injury and i can't do this thing that i want to do perfectly anymore so i need to stop doing it and he used his injury to become an even better yogi and to continue to build his yoga practice. And I just love the fact that he took a setback and made it into a complete lifestyle change. <laughs> There's this concept that we talk about a lot, which is becoming becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable is where where we start to grow. Absolutely. So pushing pushing towards pushing towards 
discomfort uh, allows you to allows you to just these these brand new opportunities. If we're always running towards comfort, we miss out on on everything that that there is to offer. Of course, and yeah, I mean, for me personally, I realized this early on, even before the ashram, where we really only learn in challenging situations, and not necessarily for that reason, but it would seem that in my life, I tried to avoid comfort as much as possible. And this is a theme that reoccurs in my life, where I tend to stray too far to one extreme. Mm-hmm. So the, the real way forward is that there's a tremendous amount that can come from challenge, also a tremendous amount that comes from comfort. Yeah, It's in those challenging situations that we learn and we develop, and in those more comfortable ones that we can actually reinforce and implement and solidify ourselves as individuals, as, as whatever we might need to. So. It's somewhere in between, challenge and comfort. I I have this saying that connects with some people and some people don't understand it, uh, that extremes are really easy because making making hard decisions, a a yes or a no, right? I'm going to always do this or I'm going to never do this. That's just a matter of of discipline. And if if you have any level of discipline, you can decide A or B. It's it's the balance and the moderation that the blend that's more or less magic is is the hard thing. And that's what we're all really striving for. Mm. This is so true. And it's something that comes across in nearly every spiritual tradition. But as much as you hear balance is key, it really means nothing to you until you can experience, until you taste those two extremes and you kind of, you Mm. get that, that acquired taste. (laughs) (laughs) What does, what does yoga, just the word yoga, let's say mean to you? Yeah, so literal translation is union. Union. The meaning of yoga is union, which what it means is the union of one's lower self to one's higher self, essentially. So it's finding a way to work through any kind of limitations, any kind of issues that one might experience in their own life and come out into a space that's, you know, this is not achievable, but something more resemblant of perfection. That's what you aim for. Is the idea. So for me, yoga is simply a tool. It's yeah. purely a tool to help us get what we want out of our life. And it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an amazingly powerful tool. Um, and and one of the things that I one of the things that I really like about the concept of yoga as a tool is is tools work for everyone, mm. right? So a shovel is a shovel for everyone. And some people may be better at using a shovel than other people. So if you've never seen a shovel before, it it might not be you might not be the most skilled digger on the planet, but a shovel is a shovel for everyone. I think that's why I love the concept of yoga as a tool, because it works for everyone. It just how how we use it and how we approach it is different for everyone. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I suppose that we would do well just to clarify this actual term yoga and what it encompasses. So. For a lot of people, yoga is a physical thing. Movement, or, yeah. It's just stretching and, you know, whatever little pretty postures you might be doing at the time. Yeah. Uh, but in a more traditional sense, yoga is five things. Yoga is proper exercise, proper diet, proper breathing, proper relaxation, and meditation. And you can think that in a more holistic sense, those first four are designed to get you to that last For one. Sure. <laughs> This is the, the real way that yoga is used. It's not just this physical thing. I had really forgotten how much I enjoyed this podcast with Rama. 
And looking back over this, the simple idea of really easing yourself into the reality that you're going to be uncomfortable an awful lot of the time is so beneficial. I have one more last bit of Rama podcast that I want to share with you. So let's jump right back in. Your authentic approach to yoga. What, what does the word authenticity mean to you? Yeah, authenticity is simply uh, remaining true to you or true to something that you might have been taught, you might have experienced. And so authenticity, it's uh, not necessarily a combination. Authenticity is never uh, cross-breed. It's something that, that's who you are. And it's very easy for all of us to see who we are if we are listening, yeah? Because who we are is something that will come out very naturally. Yeah. Who you are is when you were a child, dancing and screaming and running about and doing all these things that children do, that is very authentic. That is who they are. But the moment that we start to recognize someone is watching me, someone is maybe judging me, something like this, then we start to crossbreed. We start to change our patterns, our behavior as a way of trying to please people around us or to not infuriate people around us. And so this is not authentic behavior. You know, say it's take steps back. We take steps back to who we were when we were not so confronted, so censored by all these things we fill our, our modern lives with. How do you encourage people how do you encourage people to start to start that reset or to start that approach of, of stepping back? Yeah. So very, very simple steps. Uh, for most people, everything will unfold in a very favorable way if you just start to listen. <laughs> I mean, for myself, I just came back into Canada, and there's, uh, there's many things that I've had to do, many, many things that I needed to take care of, from passports to various other things, and I really haven't found time to just sit and listen. And so I can truly appreciate that for a busy modern population, it is difficult to find the time to sit and be still. But there's something to be said for uh, a few moments of what you might even call boredom in your day-to-day -day life. Just a simple, simple span of time in which you don't have to do anything. Mm. can literally be at any point in the day. But if you just have nothing to do, then just start to listen. You start to listen at the patterns that are going through your mind, all these different thoughts, and you will start to notice patterns where your mind goes. But it's only going to happen if you are listening. So many good things can happen when you're listening. Uh, we're going to flip over to episode number 16 with Tristan Gatto and talk a little bit about yoga. Why do you think, because you, you have a whole series designed as yoga for men, right? I do. Why do you think yoga was a practice designed by men for men, and somehow along the way, uh, men stopped practicing? And if you look at the typical population in a yoga class, it's generally 80-20 in a, a good ratio more often than not it's in the 90 10 ratio why do you think that is 
You know, and I, hold, I wrote a whole article about it on beyogi.com okay. about why guys don't practice and the excuses behind it. Um, I think it, it didn't become popular until the last maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like it really, really blew up with like Lululemon and Aloe and all these, like it just started really, really popping up all over the place. Yoga was just kind of this thing that you're like, eh, it's kind of weird. I think it's just stretching. Like I wasn't going to do it. I was like, I've been a dancer my whole life. Like, why would I pay for a stretching class? That's stupid. And then when I saw what it was about, so there's been way more resources. Now we have social media. We have all these things that make it more popular. But movement practices tend to be more popular among the female population. Mm -hmm. Dance classes, jazzercise. Think of uh, like, uh, what's his name? Richard Simmons. Yeah, yeah. The predominant, like Suzanne Summers. Mm -hmm master like that was in every household so women are more apt to be into fitness and movement where guys are like oh, i don't care that much like getting my male patients to do exercises is like pulling teeth unless they're military and then they're awesome okay because do what they're told it's so great but a lot of people just aren't that i don't see men as interested in their bodies unless it's like machismo like i'm going to the gym yeah. And I'm going to yeah. go and press 150 pounds on my first day and I've never lifted a weight in my life. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. don't do that. Learn how to move your body functionally. It has to have a completely different packaging and a different approach when it's the male mind because there's a masculinity element involved. Like they're like, well, I don't want to look gay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gay. Big freaking deal. Yeah. Like it's yeah. 2018. Get over it. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Like, so what? You can actually meet, if you're a single guy, that's the best place for you to go as a yoga class because you might meet a woman who's more balanced and trying to get herself straight and you're trying to get yourself straight. For sure. And you meet somewhere in the middle and there's more apt to be a sense of community and an openness than just being at a bar. Yeah. So I just feel like guys need that like, hey, it's good for mobility. Hey, give me the straight facts and the benefits. Then like, oh, I'm going to get an amazing booty because of it or whatnot for sure and i think so many are interested in it they just a don't know where to start don't have enough information about it and there's a lot of there's weird fears wrapped around yeah there's a lot of weird fears man like like it demasculinizes you or it makes you look weak and i'm like actually it makes you more powerful because you're more balanced in your mind yeah you're able to be a better father a better lover a better friend a better you know brother whatever role we play and it's present in our current life like it allows you to just be a better person overall i don't think there's any argument about it practicing yoga will make you a better person it won't make you a perfect person but it'll make you a better person and we should all strive for that but not only that it doesn't just make you a better person to be around it makes you a healthier person makes you a better person physically and that's really important and that's what we talked about next you know life is expensive and and I think you have to decide where where you're where you are willing to spend your your money. In the end, I think we, we all one way or the other are going to spend our money on our on our self care, right? So we're either going to take care of ourselves while we're living, or we're going to get to a point where we're taking care of ourselves just to keep ourselves alive, and it's a it's a really frustrating final 20 to 30 years of our life. So one way or the other, you're going to spend that money. You're either going to give it to a hospital or you're going to, you're going to spend 
a little bit along the way. It's just how it is. It's true. It's true. You know, I, it's so interesting to see people in the physical therapy field. That's the, the beautiful thing of, of what I get to do is that I see, I've seen every pretty much pathology you can see Yeah. in a patient setting, in the home care setting. You know, I see what happens to people's bodies when they're aging or when they've been injured. And I'm like, had you been doing this, this, and this 10 years prior, five years prior, your, your outcomes would have been 10 times faster, or you might not even be in this situation. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I do tell people, I'm like, this is not just a one-off. Like we do therapy for a little while, or we do your yoga practice for a little while and that's it. It's, this is a daily thing. This has to keep going for a long period of time because this is just like maintenance in your car. Yeah. It's like yeah. taking care of your house. It's the same thing. So the thing that people don't do, they don't go and get body work from a skilled body worker, which is incredibly important. Yeah. Had my hands on so many bodies and I'm like, you need work. Yeah. Like can't go home with you. So you've got to do something outside of here. I'll give you as many tools as you can. Um, and then I'm like, you need a movement practice. And a lot of people, like PT is kind of boring for a lot of people. Yeah, it's but valuable. And there's valuable. amazing right. physical therapists and chiropractors and body workers out there and amazing yoga instructors who do therapeutic yoga and can teach that and um, bring people to that same level that a therapist can bring them. Yeah. So I think it's incredible. It is. <laughs> It is incredible. It's a very powerful tool. I I always look at it. I I wish that people who really desire their um, children to play sports would start their children with a yoga practice because the the amount of damage you do to your body as you grow up playing sports is it's it's unfathomable and it's crazy that you could take care of all these things and never have these problems. Absolutely. Well, that concussion rate. Yeah. Alone. <laughs> yeah. Alone. You know, it's contact sports. For sure. Um, I, you know, and I think it is really important for our youth and not, not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint, Without a doubt. It's first now, because I'm like, I'm kind of glad that I grew up when the internet was coming out. It's true. Like when Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and all of them were coming out and like, Hit Clips was the first like MP3 player, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, my iPhone was a light bright. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we didn't have that. So, you know, with the cyberbullying and the pressures, it's now now the social pressures of girls having to be more sexual at a younger age or be perceived as that and guys having to be a certain way. It's, I mean, I look at my nieces and nephews and I'm like, oh my God, like thank God my brothers and sisters are on them because the stuff that they see and have access to is unreal. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think depression rates and stress and when we see suicide, school shootings, all those things, we, they, there's no coping mechanisms because it's just this, um, it's like created the me monster. Do you know what I mean? I know we're kind of being a, a bit political, sure. but I feel like, and I know they're like, oh, yoga doesn't fix everything. I'm like, but it sure helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it may not fix everything, but it certainly helps. There's no, you can't make an argument that it doesn't help and it might fix everything. Man, Tristan was such a fun conversation. And um, this this next conversation from episode four with Chris Ty Melodista was just as fun. 
This is all about how Chris starts his day. He has a really interesting perspective, and it's one of my favorite things that I think I've learned from the daily routines. So can you give me a typical day? Oh, yes. It's like now it's like 7.30 a.m. So I wake up generally at around 4.30 or and now ultimately I wake up at 2 a.m. because uh, I'm coaching a client in uh, Wisconsin and we don't have the same hours. But generally 4.30, the first thing I do, it's like smiling. Yeah, that's a great thing to do. Yes, (laughs) you really shift your mind like... If you just like the first thing you do, it's smiling. You have to have two questions, two daily questions asked to myself every, every morning. It's who I am, who am I, and how I want to show myself to the world. So this is a two question. It's like, it's, I, I can't explain, but this is really, really ground me to the day. And so this is what I do. Uh, this morning I did a pranayama breathing. And uh, for uh, around 11, uh, I can't say exactly, 11 minutes, 11 seconds, because it was, uh, I put um, uh, a mantra and uh, with uh, a super uh, apps on uh, iPhone, it's called uh, Apnea Trainer. It's $2.99. It's amazing apps if you want to learn how to uh, hold your breath and uh, you have uh, some uh, tools for making breathing if you don't know how to do it. So... I did 11 minute, 11 second of pranayama, and I make a one second of uh, the ethos flow, the breathing mm-hmm. of the parasympathetic, and I hold my breath for uh, four minutes and eight seconds. After meditation, mm-hmm. and uh, I did uh, some uh, spine flow just for waking up my day, and uh, just be here. <laughs> so, lots of things in that. I love it. First off, I want to ask, when you wake up every day, you smile. Mm. Then you ask yourself two questions. Yes. Who do I want to be Mm. and how do I want to show myself to the world? Are those those correct? Who am I? Who am I? And how I want to show myself to the world. Does your answer change day to day? Yes. Okay. For sure. sure. It's it's not something like a commitment. It's like... It, it's like nature change. It's like what I say, it's like we have season and uh, we forget to connect with that. It's like, it, I don't know why it's like change is the most scary things for the people, yeah. but it's the most natural. Yeah. A cycle of life, it's all about change. If we resist about that all the time, yeah. or we have to let go. So yes, it changed because sometimes it's like, you know, it's like when uh, I do meditation and I teach with the people or I stop a workshop, I say, let's put a standard here. And the standard is to think we are all the baby of somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like we're all still figuring out. Nobody has shit together. Everybody is scared of something. Mm-hmm. So when you start your day with that, it let go of the pressure. From Chris Ty Melodista to the amazingly talented Mary Bruce in episode eight, where we talk about how yoga really does make you better. I think that you just have to keep showing up and growing that presence within yourself because you are practicing with community, yeah. yet you're having your own experience, yeah. right? You're yeah. practicing by yourself within a group of like-minded people. Um, and if we stay present to some of the deeper techniques, then it's going to have a more lasting experience off the mat. 
But otherwise, and we can go back to you know what we were talking about earlier, if it's just a physical practice, there's the good chance that you're going to be looking around and having those thoughts and comparing yourself to the other mm-hmm. person and trying to get there in your body where, you know, instead of paying attention to what's going on in you. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of that. So the more that we can be in group but stay present to ourselves and, and um, use the subtle techniques, the more transformation we'll have and the more it will last. So how long is your yoga practice lasting? Is it is it yeah. beyond, is it beyond the mat, or do you just have to like get back the next day for that physical fix? Yeah, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's exactly you. I mean, that's exactly it, right? How long is your yoga practice yeah. lasting? When you roll up the mat and when you go back into the world, yeah. are you taking that with you? Yeah. I am going to leave it right there for our best of recap of two thousand eighteen. There are so many incredible moments in each of these episodes. And if you have one that I missed, I'd love to hear about it. There are so many that I would have loved to have included. And it was not easy to get these pegged out. With so much appreciation for everyone listening, stay legendary, and I'll talk to you in two weeks.